recognition that like anything that you're seeking on the outside it has to start within it has to be an inside job so you have to be the one to accept those parts of you that you haven't yet welcomed and accepted before anyone else truly will um you might get lucky and get away with it that you're like oh i'm a piece of shit i can't accept myself in this and others might say actually you're fine but until you actually it really lands for you on a personal level um you're not even going to really hear other people's feedback but once you can accept those parts of you um and and welcome them begin to welcome them that's when your environment will begin to like your lens will change and you'll actually start to receive the abundance of opportunity and love and possibility that exists already around you and outside of you that um yeah these little few parts that haven't yet been welcomed into the tribe are still waiting to be uh to, met, to be met with so yeah welcome to the heart of man podcast a podcast for any man seeking to live in alignment with his deepest core and lead a life of profound meaning and connection I'm your host, Alex Lehman, and I'm here to empower you through transformative conversations, eye-opening insights, and practical wisdom. Join me now as we venture into the heart of man. Let's dive in. Pete Byrne is a musician, breathwork facilitator, and mindset coach that helps high-level entrepreneurs build lives of sustainable happiness and fulfillment. He's not only a remarkable artist and facilitator, but he's also the host of the Live and Aligned podcast, a show dedicated to inspiring others to live authentically in alignment with their own truth. From an early age, Pete discovered his passion for facilitating transformative experiences, initially channeling this through his work as a musician. And this brought him down a path of traveling across the world to offer his voice through live performances and shows. As health challenges began to emerge caused by his lifestyle, Pete was driven to a point where he needed to assess a more sustainable way of living that didn't require him to live at the cost of his own connection and vitality. And this led him down a path of exploring various different healing modalities in order to find a deeper regulation within himself. Eventually, he was introduced to conscious connected breathwork, taking him down a journey of becoming a facilitator himself. He began to explore how he was able to use his previous skills to now facilitate transformative change, combining breathwork, coaching, and music. Pete and I connected early on in my own journey in Bali, and he's become a dear friend since, who's also been able to support me through some of my own darkest times. With the launching of this podcast, I knew we had to come together for a conversation so he can share his own personal journey, experiences, and wisdom. With a wide array of lessons and insights he learned along the way, I'm sure this will be an incredibly valuable conversation for all you listeners. Let's dive on in. Mr. Pete Byrne, welcome to the Heart of Man podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Thank you very much for having me, man. This is a, an epic moment. Yeah. This podcast, this conversation has been a long time in the making. And we've known each other for almost two years now. Uh-huh. And it's been beautiful as well just to see as well your development. And currently you're just filling in many roles, many different shoes. You know, you're a musician, you're mm. a breath worker, you are a coach, you are the host of the Alive and Alive podcast. Mm-hmm. And as well, you're part of the teaching faculty um, of the current facilitated training of Breathwork Bali. Mm. And it seems to me that a lot of this has accelerated just in the past year. If you were to comment on that, would you say that has been your experience as well? Yeah, wow. Um... 
I, I agree. Yeah. I think it's one of these like bamboo moments where it's like, you know, can be growing under the surface for many years, maybe mm. a bit like this podcast. Yeah. And then all of a sudden just shoots out of nowhere. That's it. And it, at least to the outside world, it appears like, mm. oh yeah, everything's all coming up at once, but really exactly. all the foundations had been laid mm. for many years before, which I'm sure we'll explore today. And this is something I'm very interested in. And I want to just really hear the arc of the journey, the, the development that you had to really go through to get to where you are today. And I would like to frame this conversation actually by sharing a personal experience that I had with you, which I feel like Great, sums yeah. up who you are in such a beautiful way, at least for me on a more personal level. And from there, I wanna offer you just maybe for the audience to share your own personal journey and um, yeah, maybe just to sum up the journey that you've had to go on to get to where you are today. So I wanna set the stage. Yeah. Please, yeah. <laughs> It was roughly a year ago. It's not the time we killed that guy, is it? No, it wasn't that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> so it was around a year ago. I was at your villa and it was our last coaching session. Uh -huh. You and I were doing some coaching. Yeah. I was going through a really, really rough time. I was going, uh, I came out of a, let's say, challenging relationship. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of questions around purpose and it seemed like the tectonic plates of my life were just shifting around. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I addressed to you was a desire for me to start my own podcast. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I noticed that there wasn't really that ability to really go into that project yet. And you asked me the question, why do you want to start this podcast? And I don't remember what I said, but I just witnessed the way you observed me and you were silent. And you were just there to really listen what I feel as the essence of why I want to do this. And I remember you leaving the room. You took all your podcast equipment that you have for your own podcast. Mm -hmm. And you're like, here, take this. For the next few months, I'm away. So get out there and do the thing. And that to me really sums up who you are in so many ways, for me at least. And the way I would describe it is that you're someone, the way I've met you is you're somebody who really is on a journey of supporting other people to really connect um, to their own truth and really do the thing that they're here to do. Mm. So I'm curious if there is some form of event in your own life that may have inspired you to really believe in other people's journeys and as well really support them on their own journey of transformation. I'm wondering if there was something happened or if there was something that I wonder if that's always been just who you are. And I'm curious mm -hmm. if you want to just as well unfold from here, the journey that you've been on and um, share a little bit about you. Mm. Yeah, that's epic, man. Thank you. It's <laughs> great. Great little story. Um, I remember it well. And <clears throat> just to preface that, I think um, I want to like, this um distinguish that i would say i am a <laughs> like almost like a bit of a transformation snob i only want to work and like support people in that way that are really fucking ready to go there so for me in that moment what inspired me to do that and like compelled me to do that mm. um was your conviction and how much like just truth was coming through you yeah. you know it was like i can't not do this like any like um you know, technical or like logistical reasons why I may need to have that over the next two, three months just aren't fucking important in right. the scale of things. Yeah. Like this needs to happen, so here you go. 
Um, so <clears throat> that's not something I'm going to bend over backwards to do just for anyone. And sure. I think that's really the distinction between like really a desire to help and support people and just like being a savior, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. try and just like help anyone. Like, you know? Thanks for addressing that distinction. I think it's a really important one as well for people to know about, right? This kind of aspect of, yes, serving people on their journeys, supporting them, but at the same time, not falling into that savior complex, right? Not doing the work for them. Yeah, exactly. Like there needs to be already enough buy-in and someone like yeah. actually stepping into that. And then it's just like a gentle nudge along the way instead of like, let me do all this heavy lifting yeah. for you kind of thing. Yeah, I love hearing that, man. Yeah. So why don't we start off by you just sharing with me a little bit, a two to three minute journey of who Pete Byrne is and how he got to where he is today. I always ask people this question and I actually feel... <laughs> I'm going to extend it to five minutes now because right. just, feel free I feel to. the pressure of three minutes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, there's just been so much that's been happening, right? Totally. Yeah. So the journey of, um, yeah, I was, I was really kind of reflecting on this before. Um, effectively, we've got, um, we've got, you know, growing up in Ireland, you know, and we could go in, we could go down that rabbit hole later, but effectively grew up in Ireland, always was kind of interested in music um and you know both my parents are personal development kind of life coaches um i was always curious around um yeah just well originally to be honest for the first 18 years it was just trying to fit in it was just that that deep desire to like be accepted by you know by the cool people by the tribe um and music was a path for me in that it was something that i was really good at and enjoyed outside of um it being something that was like socially revered as something cool so you know, I really um, dove into music and spent a lot of my kind of angsty teenage years in my room learning like to play lead guitar to like heavy metal. And I was in a band with like, you know, the head banging long hair, you know. I love it. Um, and so, yeah, so then kind of coming into university, I started, um, yeah, finding my own a bit more and finding my finding my tribe and leaving a lot of the people who'd been in like my school, like kind of like fuck that, you know, found the couple of the best people, the cherry picked kind of like, a couple of friends and then started meeting new people and just kind of again expanding my network and becoming more and more myself and through university started playing music at shows at the university um like big events like 600 people and it would be like everyone goes to this hotel in the middle of like fucking the middle of ireland basically you know and just like there's a black tie three course meal and like a big dj would come i think like bass hunter came and played one of these events like and i've supported bass hunter you know and i was basically on for an hour before just geeing everyone up and that was like the moment of like oh shit like this is this is the thing like there's like 600 people just fucking going for it and like i'm the guy and it was it was it wasn't even as much of like want to be seen as like you know, this superstar, but more around like me being able to facilitate people having this insane experience, you know, and my joy and nuance being able to like find the, find like, like I'd be, you know, driving in my car and I'd like hear a song and I'd, it would match with another song that could be mixed together. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine how the crowd would just like flip out to that because they'd never, I'm like, oh shit, you know? So they were the kind of moments that were feeding me. It was like, how can I find ways to really like impact people deeply Mm. on that level? Um, Which is an interesting insight I've never actually thought of before. Um, So yeah, so I was doing that and then came out of college and like, what now? Well, I want to, just give this music thing a crack. I'm going to take a year before I dive into any master's programs or anything. Um, So yeah, so I started playing music in a restaurant that I used to be a waiter in and um, 
you know, that was a really epic time of just like getting paid three times the amount of money that I was getting paid on the floor to sit on stage, play guitar and sing. I was like, fuck, I'm never going back to that, you know? So once I'd kind of tasted the sweet nectar of that, it was, it was Mm. game over. So as soon as that job ended, I, you know, really went all in on just like, it was one of these moments of like, you know, that restaurant was like, yeah, you know, we don't need you to do that anymore. And like, it seemed like the doors were closing and then I'm like, no, I'm not going to accept that as my reality. So picked up the phone and spent about four to six months just calling every fucking venue in Dublin. I could like, they didn't have even have music. I'm like, Hey, I can come and do music, you know? And, um, yeah, it was really like this again, which is a lesson that continues to pop up in my life, which is just the power of like, you know, a vision and consistent action towards that vision. And um, even in the face of other people saying like, it's not going to happen or the evidence not really, um, you know, necessarily being presented immediately mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is going to be a surefire win. It's like, no, I'm doing this and I want to do this. Yeah. Um, and I will do this until it works, you know, as long as it takes. So, um, yeah, just basically ended up building up a pretty nice setup in Ireland playing music and um, which resulted in being uh, offered a job to go play in Paris. And um, so I was playing in the Irish bars of Paris for about seven months, went to Greece and spent a summer in the Greek islands, which opened doors to go play in Norway, in Denmark, in Australia, in Thailand. And I just started traveling and playing music. And really it was this like kind of peeling back of the layers of the, of the onion, of the concentric circle of like, you know, originally it was like, oh, I just want to fit in. It's like, oh, wow, I can play music and this is great. And oh, I can get actually paid to play music. Oh, I can travel with music. Oh, I can actually go to these amazing places. And like, it was just like, you know, deepening, deepening. And it was mm. like, kept finding that edge of like, wow, this is, this is amazing. How could you do this as a life, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, you know, we'll call it pre-Bali A. Okay. Mm. So pre-Bali A is like traveling the world, partying, like being the life of the party. Um, you know, there's new locations, great people, there's women, there's the, the dream life, you know, the life that everyone believes, you know, if you're a musician traveling the world that, that I was doing that, you know? Um, and that was really great, particularly in Greece, because I was able to create a very predictable and controlled situation where a lot of my basic needs were being met. So my, Which you know, ones would those be? Yeah. So basically like my, my desire to, you know, for connection. Okay. And to, you know, be able to play music and to express myself in that way and mm. to even have, um, creativity in how I could, you know, I could bring in musicians cause I was running this live music bar. So I could bring in a saxophone player or a violin player, or like, you know, we would go do these big gigs and like, I could really curate them from scratch. So it was a lot of creative freedom. And I was very much a big fish in a small pond. Yep. Like I was like this small Island, there's one live music bar, like I'm the guy and I'm then training all these other musicians. So I was also in a teaching mentoring role mm. where I'm bringing in young guys. And again, we talk about like seeing the spark, seeing people who just were ready to go and they had the talent, but no direction. They yeah. didn't know how to do it. So just giving them a few pointers and putting them in that experience, kind of throwing them in the, in the deep end and um, seeing them turn into rock stars basically. Mm. And then, um, and then actually I had a booking agency. So I was like sending them around Europe for gigs. So I'd kind of train them up in Greece. Then I bring them to Austria to the ski resort where I was running. And then I'd send them off to Norway or to Thailand. We'd have the crew going around the place. So that was a traveling entertainment company. That was the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, and then the other parts of that was then like, you know, again, being seen in this like, um, role and, and um, being a, res- like a respected and like people really knowing who I was and caring about me. Mm-hmm. That was like, just like to have that from a, a group of people that like really, I, 
I admired at that point because they'd all left their nine to fives. They weren't doing the usual thing that people back home were doing. They were like, they'd all chased this kind of Peter Pan life, <clears throat> you know? So I was like, wow, these are, these are my people, you know? Hmm. Um, and then also getting to travel, you know, and be in touch with nature and swim in the ocean every day and, you know, walk barefoot everywhere. You know, I still do that, but you know, it's like, um, so that was pre-Ballier. That was like living the dream. Um, not to say though that there weren't shadows because there was still a lot of moments where like I felt not really in that inner core group you know because it was a big group but then there was like sometimes smaller events that i wouldn't get invited to so there was a feeling like you didn't belong yeah at no, times yeah, yeah for sure okay. you know there was a bigger sense of belonging but then at times there was still moments where those deeper shadows would would show up like sure. in hindsight i can see that you know um and then yeah like another one would have been like my desire for um, validation from women as well so you know in that culture there's a lot of people who are um yeah, seeking basically validation through hookup and, you know, connection with the opposite sex yeah. going both ways. So, you know, I found myself in a lot of situations. I remember a couple of nights just being really, just in a shame spiral, just mm. being like, why am I not good looking like that person? Why did she not choose me? Why did she, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I'm not going to like gloss over it and pretend that it was all happy and dandy all the time. There was yeah. still yeah. dark Thanks moments. For that. Yeah. yeah, totally. And actually one of the darkest moments, like just to be, to be honest, was like, you know, as someone who was very like a late bloomer when it comes to like um, intimacy or like mm. partners and stuff, I think it was like 19 when I had my first girlfriend, like, you mm. know what I mean? So I was like pretty much a, a late, late to the party, you know? Yeah. Um, and as a result, you know, mid twenties in this amazing travel party environment, you know, as a musician, it's like, well, happy days. That's a good way to like, um, you know, catch up on any lost time and really give that shadow a good, a good run. And um, so, yeah, you know, one of those moments was like this pedestaling of like being someone who's like, um, yeah, like a ladies guy. You know, I'm like, wow, I could never do that. And if I could do that, then I'd be the best, you know, it'd be so great. And then to get to a point where, um, you know, having that experience of finally reaching that moment, you know, without going into details, like just having an experience of like a, a target or a goal that I thought that would make me like the man or really happy. And I remember like that night just being like, I'm, I feel like literally one of the worst I've ever felt in my life, mm. you know, like wow. just like disgusted with myself. Mm. Um, Imagine the, the vision in many ways or the the pursuit that you were on in many ways it crashed yeah yeah it it fully um it revealed truth like you know mm -hmm. it's like the this dream that had been kind of presented and i'd bought into was like quite the the opposite of what actually the reality was so yeah it was it's a rude awakening and like there's plenty of those moments that exist in society for the things that are um presented as the answer like are actually like oftentimes like the opposite of the answer and um, as anyone who's kind of pursued a materialistic lifestyle in the past will have learned and i'm sure if they're listening to this podcast maybe there's some inquiry around like is the thing that i believed i should be doing actually the thing that i should be doing yeah. and that's the the second mountain you know and in many ways as well i feel you know i can i can relate to a lot of things that you're saying mm -hmm. and from my own experiences, I feel like I had to go on a pursuit of those things to recognize that they're totally. not the thing. Totally. Right. So in, in, in some ways, we have to embark on that journey. And as you say, climb the first mountain to only recognize that is not the path that we want to go on. Yeah. And that kind of initiates the path to the second mountain. So maybe you can segue to that path for you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, between the first and second mountain, there's a pretty gnarly crevice 
that you got to navigate and go through. So, um, what was that crevice for you? Tell me about it. Well, that was pre Bali part B, mm. which was like a really significant like health crash for basically this lifestyle I've been living for kind of four, four and a half years. Um, yeah, really just kind of reached a, a boiling point where a lot of the things that I'd been kind of just pushing with and just keeping going, keeping going, keeping going. Um, because I was in such a, <clears throat> basically a high tone environment and like very much tripled down on this as a lifestyle and as the way, like I was receiving validation, like, and like, this is my identity and all that kind of thing. So, you know, I wasn't going to stop anytime soon. So it took a pretty significant crash to bring me down, um, which is what happened, which I basically had just a moment um, at the end of the 2016 summer where I was playing on stage. It had been four months of just like pushing, pushing, pushing. And I think that night it was like, just drinking Jaeger bombs to just keep, keep me going because I was the only musician who was left on the island and there was like a massive group had just been in the bar and it was three hours I just had to keep going and going and I just remember like there was a moment where like I pretty much just maxed myself out it was pretty much like a shutdown right. my nervous system just went boom and I was like having these like mad twitches in my hands and I blurry vision and like lost my breath and I was wow. just like fuck I've done something here yeah um so yeah so that kind of like I thought that would go away, but it didn't. It was like a few weeks later, I remember being in London on the tube and just seeing like the person sitting opposite me just spinning. I'm just like, wow. huh, okay, I've definitely cooked myself here. So I got home and just was like, like, of course, like super hard on myself. Like I've done this myself. How could I be so stupid? All that kind of thing. And yeah, really then just like committed to like finding the, the path out, you know? Um, so, you know, I found at the time, um, you know, raw food and detoxing, basically herbs and fasting, you know, and that was like, oh, okay, I've poisoned myself for four years and eaten shit and not taking care of myself. So I'm going to do a massive cleanse, you know, classic pendulum swing. Mm. Um, and within that, you know, I pretty much in like three, four months lost like 12 or 13 kilos and went from being like a pretty stocky, meaty guy to like something like a... <laughs> Yeah. Like I've been living in a desert for 40 <laughs> days, you know? Um, yeah, it was a lot. And then, you know, with that came a, lo a loss of confidence in my physical like body, you know, it's like a lot of my, uh, this was another great actually realization, you know, because of my um, lack of safety and like feeling of like vulnerability when I was in my, you know, early childhood or late childhood into teen years mm. i got really into the gym and i was yeah. one of these like going to the gym pretty much every day and fucking beefed you know really so i lost all of that mm. you know and that took away the armor so i was now quite like vulnerable and that was a part of my identity as well yeah like, people you couldn't just, use that to validate yourself anymore totally totally yeah it's not like oh yeah these people like me or this girl likes me because of my muscles yeah. it's like oh there i am you know and so that created a sense of like just a frailty in myself mm. and also this like lightheaded blurry vision kind of thing that went on really almost for two years honestly wow. and i was really looking for the answer so i was traveling i was going to thailand i started doing yoga in thailand i you know did a reiki course um and you know then the following year i went to went to india did a sound healing course in goa um you know, so it's kind of like, okay, like there's something else going on here. I started, actually, that was a big thing in Thailand. I um, I was still playing shows, but I was like, you know, resting, eating fruit all day. And then I'd show up for like two hours, do my thing, get paid and fuck off. Yeah. I just couldn't be in that party environment. I started to see everything for what it was. 
I'd be in the bar and I'd see I before I'd be like, yeah, this is great, great vibe. And I'd be seeing everyone, just the unconsciousness of everyone mm. just like avoiding their stuff. And of course I was repulsed by the same thing that had drawn me in, you know, right. as the pendulum swing. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, oh, these, I'm judging them, and, oh, these mm. fucking people, you know, and wanting nothing to do with it. So, um, you know, what that resulted in then was, uh, yeah, me, me kind of going in the route of um, finding solutions in different paths. So one route was the body with the fasting and the dieting and stuff. But um, another route was, was the mind. So I found Joe Dispenza. You know, yeah. I've been listening to Esther Hicks, like Abraham Hicks for Law of Attraction for like, since I was like 18, actually. I'd kind of always had it. I'd put it on going to bed. My mom used to say, oh, listen to that. And I just kind of, it was a nice thing to fall asleep to because she just kind of talked shit. So I was like, cool. Um, so yeah, I really started diving back into her work, um, and that was like a real anchor for me. Um, Joe Dispenza's meditations for sure as well. I remember having one experience in Thailand where I really dropped in, um, and yeah, I remember having this massive surge of energy through my body, and just being like, "Whoa, what the fuck was that?" You know, and knowing I just created that consciously in some way. <clears throat> so um, you know, that kind of opened the doors to like the potential what's possible for me, like those at least those meditations that I was using from him or it, it took a lot of discipline like to sit for an hour and 10 minutes and like take 20 minutes to fucking listen to him doing in space and <laughs> you know to just get into the zone where you could start to make some changes so I, I found myself quite impatient with that as a process but it was still it opened the door and um yeah so like just to kind of bring that to the end of like pre-Bali part B was continuing to travel, continuing to play, finding ways that I didn't always have to be on stage. So bringing up the booking agency and um, yeah, really finding a way that I could still continue to live this, you know, amazing life I'd created with like the traveling and, and the people and nature and, you know, the amazing, just, you know, even I was, I was really enjoying food on a new level. So the fruit, tropical countries, like I love this, like I want to keep this going. Um, so for me then, you know, at that point, I was still really looking for like, um, how can I really on a deeper level change or fix what's happening here? Um, and, you know, Bali really seemed like a good halfway house where I could have all the, the community potentially if I built it up over time. And there was a good live music scene here. And, you know, there was, um, yeah, just that, that climate and the tropical country and all the amazing food. I'd been here before. I was like, wow, this place is amazing. So, yeah. you know, I really committed to coming here uh, for six months. When was that? That was the, uh, the beginning of 2020. All right. So, yeah. So, that was like my initial goal was come to Bali, you know, get my uh, artist visa, play shows, and, you know, be able to, to be here and to build up a community here mm. and see what happens. So, that was the intention. Yeah. And then the pandemic happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was it. So, you know, rolled in here and um, I think I played like two shows and then everyone shut down. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going anywhere. And I saw yeah. how a lot of people jumped ship. A lot of people that I knew here were just like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yep. You know, and I was like, well, I got nowhere to be. So, um, <laughs> you know, just got this visa. So I may as well yeah. just chill here and see what happens. Um, and I feel with that, there was, there was an, it was a really beautiful time here during the pandemic because um, the kind of quality of people who stayed like were people who, you know, were, they weren't just here on a two week bintang holiday, you know, right. like drinking beers. They were, um, they were self-sufficient to some degree, maybe working online or they had already made a lot of money and they were open-minded. They weren't scared by the media and all that was been peddled. You know, the world's going to end. Like, I ah, fuck that. Like I was saying, I was like, this is horseshit. Like this, mm. 
this is no worries, you know. So um, I was confident in my own ability to to come through that no matter what happened. Um, so yeah, so as a result, I think the quality of people who were left here um, was 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 great. And I, as a result, like in those following months, then um, I started to really meet a like a caliber of person that I hadn't really been exposed to much before that I didn't really know existed. Mm -hmm. You know, before actually, one big thing was I remember feeling like I was you know pretty pretty full on on the raw foods and like vegan and you know and i remember thinking like you're either like a normal person who just eats like mcdonald's or you're like vegan and you're tuned into what you eat and you know you're you're aware and conscious and i don't do that shit you know and yeah. this very binary way of thinking yeah right? very yeah black and white totally and then you know what was challenging for me was then to meet people that were really deeply spiritual and i really respected as people and like their mindsets yeah. but then they were eating meat i'm like but, 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 but no, like, yeah. you know, this doesn't fit yeah. my paradigm. Mm. So it, it allowed me and to start to see lots of, um, lots of, you know, holes and, and fair enough, you know, I had to develop a way of thinking mm. it was what it was. But, um, once I was exposed to a whole new reality, um, yeah. you know, a lot of those old ways that I was gripping to were started to fall away. Yeah. And tell us how you got from here into a journey of exploring coaching, breath work, and ultimately finding a new way of, as you already expressed before, um, creating these experiences for people, but now in a new way, exploring more, exploring it more from the lens of transformation. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, in those first couple of months in Bali, what started to happen was, um, yeah, it was, it was like a, a really interesting reset because, you know, I'd, I'd <coughs> developed this, um, you know, musician um, persona and, you know, that was my income. And, you know, there was many benefits to that. There was also a lot of shortcomings to that, which was like needing to have these late nights, four nights a week and, you know, needing to just basically please people with music. You yeah. know, not a lot of times, you know, it was playing songs that I didn't actually maybe really want to play. Right. But it worked. So, okay. You know, it's a strategy for having my needs met. So, yep. here we go. Um. So, yeah. So, what led me to the breathwork and coaching was... A curiosity first of all and being in bali i'm like okay well let's let's go deep let's explore lots of different modalities and things and i yeah just started to meet some really interesting people i actually became a part of a men's circle um quite early on and there was 12 of us that used to meet on a rooftop every monday at 6 a.m so that was like a real window into like oh wow these are like all solid guys that i really respect and that was quite confronting for me you know what i mean um to, to really feel where I stood or where I felt I stood in relation to them. Um, where do you believe you stood in those moments? Like what was so confronting about that? Um, you know, it brought up a lot of my, um, you know, memories from, you know, school, yeah. you know, and feeling like very confronted by the idea of like a group of guys, sure. particularly all, you know, that had some degree of, I perceived as power, you yeah. know, or, you know, and kind of comparing myself and, mm. you know, he's doing that and he, look at this guy and he's got loads of money and what, what do I have, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, so it was a bit of that, but <clears throat> again, more and more like showing up every week, I started to just let go of a lot of those stories and just see people who they were. And it also opened me up to a network of like just really epic people. So like one of them was Edward, who's breathwork mentor, facilitator, teacher. Um, you know, and I started going to see him and like my first breathwork session with him was just like, that was the moment I'd kind of like, it was like the moment I'd had in that Joe Dispenza meditation, but like times 50, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of coming out of that it was just like, holy shit like this was such a life-changing experience in what way was it life-changing so just describe that mm. experience for the listeners mm. it was very hard to quantify at the time i just felt something deeply and i was like this is the thing mm. you know 
Um, basically what it was, was I, you know, as I, as I mentioned, had been living in this still very high tone, go, go, go style, very extreme. And what I think I really tapped into in that first session was just a, a deep state of rest. It was f like my, my body and my mind were able to shut off and reset for the first time in maybe years. Mm. It's <clears throat> interesting, right? Considering your lifestyle as well, that you were living out for a number of years, it sounded like you in many ways were required to live in a very, very high tone. And there was actually no ability to find that deep rest that you found in those moments, right? Totally. Well, what I used to do is I used to do water fasting. So yeah. I would like do the four month season in Greece and mm. just send it. <clears throat> and then towards the end, I'd start to taper off and it would chill out. And then I go home and I do like a 10, 12 day water fast. Mm. And that was just like my way of like hitting the, the, the master reset button, but not in a, an integrative way. Mm. Like, yes, it was a deep downshift, but ultimately it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. You know, and I did, I did in, in a lot of ways clear out some stuff. Um, and it was an opportunity to really just be and rest. Like it was really deep rest, but you know, probably not in a way that was the most supportive. Um, because then I just fire up again the following yeah. week and go again. Yeah. You know, so, so it um, sounds like you had no capacity at that time really to, I'm gonna say, regulate your nervous system in an empowered way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, did I? Did I have anything? Yeah, I didn't even really know what regulating the nervous system meant, to be honest. You know, yeah. I was just doing my thing. <clears throat> I'd usually just have my routine. I'd wake up and I'd, you know, go and either go to the gym or go swimming and then be playing volleyball. Gym. I'd kind of just like tire myself out, Sure. you know, <clears throat> you know, doing sports, doing activities, eating well. And then at night I would play, you know, I was dropping off doing the partying thing. Like more and more, I was like, I would just go and play my show. Wouldn't drink, I'd go to bed. But it was still like, you know, it was relative. I was probably one of the healthiest people on that island, but it's all relative, you know, compared to, it, I'm still living up here. Yep. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, just coming back to that first session, you know, I, I came out of there just feeling like, wow, like this is something that I really, I need. It really felt like that thing that I'd been craving and seeking. So I started going weekly to the circles, breathwork circles, and just dropping in and, um, starting to uncover these deeper parts of myself mm. um, and that was in tandem with <clears throat> doing you know starting working with one of the guys in the men's circle who was a coach and just like again like i was like oh like that's something i'm curious about like i'd love to go deeper but do i have the money can i afford it like you know is it going to be yeah it was mainly actually around affordability <clears throat> and you know luckily he was able to do me a really nice deal um to work together and you know what started to happen was Basically, life became the container. Okay, so it, uh, this, tell this, me more about that. That's an interesting. Sure. Yeah. So, if if I've had experience of going to a retreat, okay, and like uh, for instance, Rick Smith's Awaken Leadership Retreat, where basically the point is you get in a you get in a, a space with 20, 25 people for a week, and in that time, there's a ton of exercises, and the whole thing is laid out to bring up your shit. Yeah. You know. And it's, it's talking about, you know, in this particular retreat, it's talking about sex and money and power and, you know, rejection and like um, the voices in your head and all these things that are like supposed to elicit what's under the surface. And then within that, there's a space for people to be seen in that, to process it, to release it and thus integrate it. So, you know, that, that was a really powerful experience, like being part of some of those spaces in my time here in Bali. Um, but what I started to learn was like, Oftentimes I'd see in those retreats, people would get really worked up about something and they'd be so lost in their story that they wouldn't, they'd miss the point that the whole point of the retreat 
is to bring up the story. That's it. You know, so it's like the thing is not the thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny. So I was able to, <clears throat> I think maybe because I've been doing this breath work as well, find the space of the witness more, where I could notice myself like I'm fucking angry. Oh, the fuck that person, you know? Yeah. And realize it's actually not about that person at all. It's what my like subconscious is allowing them to represent. Mm. You know, what I'm projecting onto them. Like, oh, this leader character is really triggering me because he's not giving me attention. Mm. Oh, hello, dad. You yeah. know? So what do you believe? So this is, thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things as well that I've always seen in you is having this ability to really embrace all your shadows, like really being willing to look at mm -hmm. maybe even the darkest aspects of you. Mm -hmm. And what I'm curious about for the listeners is, what do we do once we start seeing all those things and maybe follow more of a path of integration? What's mm -hmm. that journey been like for you when you started going into breathwork circles, when you started exploring these type of containers and how can we start bringing those shadows back and, and mm -hmm. finding them, let's say a bit more of a wholesome way of being? Mm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I think the first step is is effectively just acceptance. Mm. It's like, this is here and I can deny it or I can accept it. Yeah. Once it's accepted, at least by us, it takes a lot of the pressure off. Because yeah. if we're denying what is, then we're in a, like, a downward spiral, we're in a fight with ourselves. Whereas if we can at least say, mm. right, this is here, I fucking hate it, yeah. but it's there. And I will accept that it's there for now. Mm. I don't think it needs to be there forever. I don't think it's who I am, yep. but it's there. I think what's hardest for a lot of people is in not directly looking at their shadows. Like they think by kind of semi-avoiding it that they're, you know, it's helping. Yep. And often it's actually by turning and running head on at the monster that's going to smash it into a million pieces, you know? Mm. So by really looking at it it's, and having the courage to do that, yeah. That's where <clears throat> the dissolving and the integration of that comes from. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the second stage is is being seen in accepting that by others. Mm. So it's not just us sitting with it, but then it's sharing that. Mm. And other people recognizing, oh, like I have that as well. And then reflecting. And like this thing that we were carrying is this deep shame piece of like, yeah. oh, I, I have this thing and I'm such a piece of shit. Mm. And it was like, oh yeah, I have that as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember when I had that. And you're like, oh, oh, it's not just me. Oh, like relief, you know? Yeah. For this, this, I like our deepest fear is that we've got some kind of like, you know, unique, like disgusting trait that everyone's yeah. going to like, yeah. like exile us from right. basically. Right. So yeah, when we, when we just maybe mm. express this or explore this topic of the shadow in many ways, it is those aspects of us that we've denied, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that we've repressed. And usually there is so much shame as well connected to them mm -hmm. that we're even unwilling to look at them within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so hearing what you're saying, you know, really allowing another person to witness them and as well having or discovering that, wow, like I'm not alone in this because that's the perception that we may have yeah. in those moments. Yeah? yeah. It's like, oh, I'm the only one who is kind of fucked up. Right. And, and no one is like me. Yeah. But then revealing that being recognized in that mm -hmm. and as well receiving the acknowledgement, you're not alone in this. I'm experiencing the same thing in many ways that in many ways can be the healing and definitely experience that as well for myself mm -hmm. yeah totally mm. and coming back to this idea of life as a container right and um, in those retreats like it was it was a bit easier for me to like be in that witness because i'm like <clears throat> oh it's almost like oh i know what's going on here i see the way everyone's really triggered right now 
that must be part of it. It's part mm. of the game, you yeah. know? So I was able to like be triggered, but also like, you know, actually kind of laugh about it mm. as well. And that was where some of that like great awareness came from. So I kind of took that concept and said like, okay, like let's say I leave this retreat and I go into like my, my week to week um, and I start to go about my life as, as I do. And I start to notice all the areas where I'm getting triggered where I'm having a limiting belief or whatever something comes up, emotions come up. And then if I've, if I've got a support network around me of, you know, a coach or if I'm doing breath work or, you know, facilitator, therapist, whatever it is that I can bring these things to, now I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a real life retreat 365 days a year. I'm now consistently gathering data about me and my environment and I'm working through it. And this is basically where we take that, you know, microcosm of a retreat and expand it to the world. And so that was really what I was kind of doing. I was like in all these different things and like being here, you know, in Bali was, was really um, showing me all these different parts of me. It was showing me like my money stuff and my relationship stuff and my self-worth stuff and my comparison stuff. And um, yeah, just like general social pieces of like, where do I sit on the totem pole, you know? Yeah. And um, the, the nice guy stuff as well, you know, which you can, we can explore if you want, but like, and um, all of these things got to be really looked at because there was so much support around because I was like, I'm going to do this work, mm -hmm. you know, and I had a, mul a multitude of different, I was listening to the audiobooks, reading the books, yep. doing the coaching, doing the breath work. And it was all in kind of in tandem, synchronistically working mm -hmm. together, you know, towards this bigger goal, which I didn't know what that goal was, but I knew it was going yeah. somewhere. What do you think was the biggest pattern that you really had to overcome or integrate into your own life? <sighs> okay, so there's two, there's, there's like the, the relatable one and then there's the deeper one. So the relatable one is probably people pleasing nice guy. Yeah. The deeper one is I am not enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Can we maybe first of all, just describe for the listeners, what is that people pleasing nice guy? Like mm. describe the archetype for a moment. What does that look like for you? So yeah, the, the, the nice guy for me is in some way believing that like the way that I get my needs met is by uh, bending or sacrificing myself for the, the will of others. Yeah. And it's by, yeah, it's basically like the, the story is, the strategy is <clears throat> I, um, I have needs. Yep. I'm not worthy of having them met or I don't deserve to, or people won't help me meet my needs mm. just for who the, na the nature of who I am. So in order to have those needs met, I need to please others. I need to do things for others. I need to be nice. And <clears throat> I also need to avoid pissing people off yeah. or making them angry at me. Mm. No one can ever not like me. That's like one of the biggest fears of this nice guy part. It's like needing to be liked by everyone. It's like, let's say three people give me a rating. 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, nine and a half out of 10. Oh fuck, <laughs> what did I do? You know, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, you you know find the mean? black dot on the big blank white piece of paper. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's, it's this thing of like the anxiety of consistently needing to be liked and accepted by everyone, mm. which is fucking impossible. Right. Like it's not possible to be liked and accepted by yeah. everyone. Hearing that, I feel like a lot of people I can imagine can very much relate to that. And, and you as well already spoke to the deeper underlying pattern, which is this experience of maybe not feeling worthy enough. I'm wondering what has been that journey for you to really um, 
overcome that pattern and actually step more into an experience of power. Uh, and that's really been something I've really mm -hmm. been seeing in you, especially over the last year. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious, what has that journey been like for you? Mm. Okay, yeah, so a nice nice segue from nice guy because a big part of the nice guy is repression of a lot of truth and emotions. Yeah. So a big part of that stepping into power is reclaiming those things. So mm. it's about letting out the anger for mm. all the times that you didn't want to do something but you felt like you needed to force yourself to do it. Yeah. For all the times that someone did something to you and you wanted to say, fuck you, and you didn't because mm. they had to like you. Like all of that's a volcano sitting under the surface mm. that whether you like it or not needs to be let out yeah. before you can actually show from a place of presence. And instead of trying to use coping behaviors and strategies on the top, which take a lot of energy to avoid tapping into that volcano and the, you know, explosion, um, it needs, you need to drain the swamp a bit. You yeah. need to let go of a lot of that built up stuff so you can show up in power, yeah. you know, and then you can actually be regulated and choose make your decisions from that place of yeah centeredness and regulation mm. so that's the next part it's like yeah it, beyond the um yeah it, it's effectively regulation it's yeah. effectively about like letting go of these deeper patterns and emotions under the surface that are running the show so we can have control mm. so we can have freedom yeah because otherwise you're not in control you've been run by the patterns and yeah. run by the emotions so what i'm hearing is that in many ways it was about honoring the aliveness that's present you know maybe that that aliveness is coming across as an anger response or maybe it is a grief response whatever it is mm. giving <clears throat> yourself the permission actually just to really allow that mm. and learning the skills of actually maybe moving through those holding those p uh, parts of us mm. uh, and actually finding a bit of sovereignty within that is that the way i understand what you're saying mm. so step one yeah it's kind of like this okay so the, the ultimate goal is to be in a place where Anything can happen <clears throat> and I am unfuckwithable. Mm. Nothing you do can shake me. Now, that's not to say that I don't feel emotion or get triggered. But what I do with it, I have control over. I can choose. That's freedom for me. That's ultimate choice. So in order to get to that place, what I need to do is I need to expand my capacity and I need to let go of programs and emotions under the surface that might be dictating that freedom to choose. So... Within that, there is doing the, it's not necessarily about like, you know, someone pissing you off and then being like, I'm angry now, you know, maybe, but not necessarily. What I think ultimately is, like I said, it's about having containers where we can look at and integrate those previously hurt parts. So they're not the ones coming up. So, you know, I've had situations in the last year or so where I've been in, you know, um, discussion or in business or something with someone where, um, in some way a trigger arises and it's almost like seeing that person regress <clears throat> into a, a younger version of themselves right. where they have no more conscious awareness of like who they are in this moment or what's really happening and they're running a story and all the information they're receiving from the outside is basically been run through the lens of that story and it's very difficult to like collaborate and work with someone on any level in a relationship setting in a business setting personal setting when that's alive because all they're doing is like basically confirming or you know looking for evidence to support what they believe is true already um so for me like this deeper work and you know finding this regulation and bigger capacity allows us to not let that lens and story take over so we don't regress back into that old version of ourselves yep. you know we've updated the hardware mm -hmm. you know we've 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 um 
gone in and previously where we would have like, you know, reached our max capacity. And at that point where our neocortex goes offline, prefrontal cortex stops working, we literally go back into the animal brain, the limbic brain, which is only working from past patterning. Yeah. Like we can only access, you know, our survival responses, our fight and our flight, basically, or fawn or freeze, or well, freeze is down at the bottom, but um, you know, that's all we have access to in that moment. So we go back to what we know. So this is why with addiction, for instance, if we look at someone who is deciding that they want to go on a diet, I'm going to go on this diet. I'm going to cognitively decide in my, you know, rational prefrontal cortex, this is a good thing to do. And as soon as a trigger comes up, what's the body going to do? It's going to go right back to that old pattern, which is, I know I can buffer this emotion by eating sugar and drinking beer. Mm. And no matter how much positive intentions and affirmations and thought we want to put into that, as soon as a trigger arises, if you don't have the capacity to hold that trigger, you're going straight back into that old response. You, there's nothing you can do about it. So for me, that's such a big part of finding that freedom and that, um, that power. It's yeah. been able to have the capacity to hold those triggers yeah. and also then have new pathways out. So even if shit hits the fan, you've got an escape route. You've mm -hmm. got the ability to set a boundary or to say, hey, I need 10 minutes right now. And to know that, yeah. to know that you staying in that like conflict or scenario isn't going to serve anyone. Yeah. This is really valuable what you're saying in the sense that, you know, when I embarked on this journey in many ways for myself, I explored it much more from the lens of the mind and I was very fascinated about the mind. Right? Yeah. I really went down this path of exploring Eastern philosophy, went into yoga and mm -hmm. I was very fascinated by the mind and it was, it was an avenue for me to find deeper liberation. However, I noticed within myself that there was, there came eventually a point where I couldn't go further mm -hmm. and breath work and like my experiences in Bali, having as well met Edward and as well having gone through the training myself, I've come to recognize the importance of really exploring as well the somatic element, which is much more referring to the body and valuing the importance of embodiment. Could you speak as well to the importance of embodiment and why maybe following only our intentions through our mind, mm -hmm. mentally, cognitively, mm -hmm. it, why that does not suffice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like, right, so the, I love a good analogy, by the way, if you haven't noticed Please, already. Um, <clears throat> so it's like the, the mind is the child and the body is the adult. Mm. And so the child can have all the best intentions in the world. The child can be like, I want to go to the park and then I want to get ice cream. And it can be really sure and certain on that. But the body's the adult. And if the adult says no, then it's not fucking happening. Yeah. Okay. So you can try with your mind all you want to force the adult. And that, ha that does work sometimes. If the child screams at the adult for two hours, I want ice cream, maybe it gives in. But it's not a sustainable strategy. Okay. So the body and the mind have to be on board, you mm -hmm. know. And the child has to find a way of getting the body on board that they can work together consistently, reliably. Because ultimately, even if the child said has the best intentions, at any point, the adult is the one with the veto. Yep. So the body is the one that decides actually what's going to happen, yep. no matter what the mind says. Yep. And yes, you can try and force your way into it, but it's going to take a lot of brain calories to do that, exactly. and it's not sustainable. Yeah. So a much easier strategy is to, you know, for that child, is to find ways to get the adult on board, mm. you know, that, so they can work together. You know, so there's, there's a respectful relationship. And so there's, yeah, there's buy-in from both sides, mm. effectively. Mm. And I, yeah, it's a funny analogy, but like, yeah. that's basically it. It's like, that is the important, importance of embodiment, mm. of being able to tap into and feel these different parts. The other thing is, um, on, on a more pragmatic standpoint, is like, 
if I don't know what I'm feeling, I can't express what I'm feeling. Therefore, I can't like, even if I want to talk about the mind, I can't maybe even begin to quantify why I'm feeling that way or how I might get out of feeling that way. Right. There's just things happening and I've got no real awareness of it. You know, it's like there's a screen and behind the screen things are happening, but I'm only dealing with the, the result of what's happening behind the screen. Whereas if I can pull back that screen and I can see, oh, I see this is there. And, oh, okay, I see where that's coming from. And, oh, okay, how would I work with that? Ah, oh, okay, this is what I can do. And I can communicate that. Yep. Happy days. Everyone's more tuned in. Mm-hmm. And the conversation is much richer and deeper. Yep. And, and there's a greater level of connection. And, yeah, just like um, in that depth, I think lies the, um, not just the, the key to greater levels of intimacy, yep. but also greater levels of self-awareness and mm. um, just being able to live life and relate with others on a much more, um, and relate with ourselves on yeah. a much deeper level. Thank you, Pete. I would, um, I love hearing all this and yeah, just expressing as well in detail, just the importance to embodiment and mindset. And this is something I really want to as well hone in on in this podcast. Mm-hmm. I would love to segue a little bit um, in our conversation <laughs> <laughs> and come into a discussion around discovering your own unique voice and really claiming that for yourself. Sure. And in the past year, I've really witnessed you um, exploring new creative ventures and projects. Mm. Um, you as well initiated Conscious the Musical mm, with uh, yeah. your business partner, Daniel. And I would just love to hear a little bit about that journey for you around claiming your voice and really allowing yourself to go all in on these surreal projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that journey like? Whew, um, yeah, so... I suppose we can start with the musical because it's kind of like a really good um, trailhead to pull and, you know, there's so much in that. Yeah. Um, you know, so, okay, so a couple of the key pieces that had to be overcome in the journey for that musical to happen was, you know, I'm not an original artist. You know, I play cover songs. Mm. That's, I don't do that. Yeah. Oh, I do do that apparently. Um, you know, it also stemmed from a bigger vision which I'd had, which was this idea of, um, you know, Tony Robbins with a guitar. Mm-hmm. which is my still remains my ultimate vision which is that. which is like a seminar style like a couple of thousand people where like everyone is through music and through like um yeah embodiment and like guided meditation and like just it's almost like a medicine journey but like with music and this collective group field experience of tapping into what it feels to be worthy that is like the ultimate it's almost like there's two parts there's like people having the experience the peak experience but then also having an integration plan for after that event so it's not like you go to awaken the giant within you walk on the fucking fire and then you go well i'm great and then you go back to your your nine to five in london you know it's like actually like a pathway for people to have that deep peak experience to see what's possible and then there also to be a pathway to integrate that and to actually become that full version of themselves that they tapped into for a moment and um, through that experience. So that's, that's remains my, um, my magnum opus. Like that's, that's, that's the big one. Um, I love hearing that vision. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So all these other things I'm doing up until that point are just like, um, are still feeding towards that. You know, it's not like I'm working in an accounting office and then I'm going to go do this thing. It's like yeah. the musical and my own um, original music that I've been working on recording recently and even the breath work and the facilitations of it is all working towards that. I'm running retreats as well. The Embodied Creator, we'll talk about that. Like um, all these things are feeding into that and it really feels like that. Even the podcast to a degree, you know, is still is still working towards that. Um, 
So yeah, so the musical, the big one was I'm not an original artist. Um, the other one was, um, well, to be honest, I'd, I'd actually had an interesting history with musicals because I actually got rejected from my high school musical, right. um, which was, yeah, it was interesting. It was like, it, that was one of those moments where like I had really put all my eggs in one basket and I really, really fucking wanted it and gone for this part in this, in this school musical as my kind of ticket to like, all right, I've been a bit of a, a recluse loner for the last two years and this is my way to finally be the, to shine and to be accepted and like to like not get accepted. And that was pretty intense, but you know, I really, I still kind of went all in on it and ended up getting like a minor part and like mm. turning it into a positive experience. But it was interesting to then come back full circle. Um, Create your own musical. But yeah, exactly, <laughs> totally. Um, I'd actually had another one a year later where I was in a different school and I actually got one of the three lead roles in that. So I'd kind of already changed the story sure. on that one a bit. Sure. But yeah, to come full circle, like how many years, like 16, like fucking 30 years, 15 years later, 16 yeah. years later, is that, Jesus Christ, it's a long time. Um, yeah, 16 years later. So yeah, to turn that around um, and to create one. And it was basically like it started out as, yeah, me and my mate Danny playing at a friend's birthday party, just getting up and playing music together. And it was his first time ever on stage. And everyone's like, you guys are fucking great. You should do something together. And he's like, bro, we should do a conscious musical. I'm like, you're crazy, man, you know? But I'd been doing this, like, I'd done one or two presentations on this thing called Music as a Tool for Transformation. It was like using personal development concepts with music. And I'd written this song called That's Projection. And I was talking about that. There was a few, it was already some of the seeds had been planted. And so we just sat down and basically in five weeks just kind of said, let's just throw something together for this festival called Bloom Festival in Bali. Um, so we had five weeks, we had a stage and we needed something to throw up. You know, so we kind of threw the shit at the wall and see what stuck. And, you know, we, we really pulled it together and it was everything fell into place at the right time. And um, it was amazing. It was so amazing to capture what is effectively the hero's journey. The, it's a story of awakening of like a man's journey from his hometown um, through like the trials and tribulations of the spiritual community and the awakening journey, which, you know, um, many of us have, have been on mm. to, to get to that point of like greater um, self-awareness. Yep. <clears throat> and yeah. self self can, acceptance yeah if i can just comment on yeah the please yeah. for a moment Go for it, yeah. uh i've seen the musical twice yeah you know for the listeners mm -hmm. and i want to just express how relatable this journey is in many ways and it's it's really a journey of um one man finding his way to his own power finding his own way to his truth and, and yeah. really just doing the thing that his heart feels called to do and ultimately it's brought me to tears twice <laughs> wow <laughs> you know it's been a it's been a beautiful journey um and yeah i just could really see as well how you were combining transformation and entertainment, you know, with this musical. Yeah, that's it. And it's the chocolate cover broccoli because people come for the singing and dancing and then they get shown their shadows yeah. and it's like, oh shit, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's, that's been really fun. And for me, actually, it's like, it's this, I mentioned before about transformational snob and this idea of like the depth is really what I'm about. You know, like that's really what gets me going. So being able to work on such a deep level that sometimes I'll make songs or reels or something that I think are like fucking, oh, that's epic. And then other people are kind of like, oh, I didn't really get that one. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> and I feel like being able to express that depth and like the nuance of how we do some of the characters and how they express um, that even if people, like people might watch that again in three years or whatever and go, oh, I finally get why he's doing that. Yep. Like, because yep. I've now seen that shadow in me. That's it. 
before he was just a crazy perverted guru like right. sniffing women you know he's one of the characters guru das um and then afterwards you realize like oh he's actually speaking to the like tyrannical nature of world governments and you know the mm. archetype of the manipulator guru who yeah. like you know has repressed sexual energy and uses yeah. that as a way to you know so it's like there's all these parts that we've really gone into depth on that appear as these like shiny characters but have you can go down the layers if you so choose yeah. um to a degree those aspects live as well within us and as you say you know there is of course they're absolutely magnified to hundred thousand x yeah but if we can really explore as well where are those aspects in us mm -hmm. to really reveal those shadows and then as well claim that for ourselves to maybe as well feel into the hurt the wound the need that's underneath it yeah when we reclaim that we can as well really come out on the other side um feeling more whole you know and um i can definitely see how the musical is a beautiful pathway for that totally and you know the final the final song in the musical is called safe to be me mm. you know and i think actually i can drop a few bars if you like i would love that um just as a you know, you mentioned the journey of like going on this path. Um, I think this song really sums all of that up, you know? I set out on a journey Seeking more from life but nothing ever seemed to go my way Well, I've been ripped off, heartbroken And been made to feel so small And so many people tried to lead me stray But I know every part was vital no matter big small Cause now I've learned The greatest lesson of all Well I'm safe I'm safe to be me I'm safe to be all the things That I was born to be and even though it got hard sometimes, I knew if I follow my heart, then I'd find my way. And even though it got dark sometimes, I know it's all part of the game of life that we play. Cause you know I'm safe. I'm safe to be me. I'm safe to be all the things that I was born to be. You know I'm safe. I'm safe to be me. You know I'm safe. Safe to be me. I'm safe to be me. <sighs> Amazing. You. Safe to be me. I feel there is one overarching theme in our conversation today. It's really, it's really been that. Totally. Really exploring as well the theme of how we can embrace all those aspects of us, you mm -hmm. know. Um, yeah, man. Brings up a lot of emotion there, man. And 
think in many ways that's that's the longing you know that's the desire for many of us just to have that permission piece just to be ourselves mm -hmm. absolutely and that's it it's like you, you know what's interesting about the musical is that like if i was to write that song a year ago from the lens of pete byrne mm -hmm. i might not let it come through interesting but because i'm singing from the lens of johnny yeah. he's like this lead character who's not me mm. it's a bit easier for him to claim it than for me to claim it but what's what i've found is in writing it and then in it being performed and people enjoying it i'm like oh i'm also safe to be me you know yeah um so because it's a, it's a it's a it's a big thing to claim there's a, there's a past client of mine a friend of mine who was she called me from the studio yesterday and she was singing a song about like the basically the the, the divine feminine the wild feminine like she's the whisper on the wind she's the you know and like all these t speaking about like who is she who is this thing and then at the end you know it was this line which was like she is the feminine she is the thing and i was like what have you sung it like I am the feminine. I am the maiden. I am the, and it, it was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't claim that. Closer to the bone, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's different to say she is that. It's over there. Yep. It's her, yep. you know. Um, we're really claiming that, mm. you know, for ourselves. Like I am this. Mm. Like I am enough. You know, it's hard. You know, mm. it's not because you really like in that moment in dropping that line. If there's any part of us that goes, ah, but you're not. You're fucking not enough. It's like, it won't land. It won't resonate. So we really have to be in full alignment for that to really land. Um, but yeah, what, what I think the musical has allowed me to do is to, first of all, see the power of comedy as a, as a tool for transformation. You know, obviously music I yeah. knew, but um, recognizing how we can really, with music and with comedy, we can bring people down into the deep end yeah. and we can control. It's almost like going on a, like you're a deep sea diver yeah. and you're going down to a hundred meters with your, you know, your oxygen mm. mask and all that kind of thing. Um, sometimes people use comedy a bit too harsh so we can go really deep. Sure. I had on a podcast before where I was with someone, we were, we were going super deep mm. and, um, you know, got to this really intimate kind of nice moment, you know, this really deep sharing moment. And then there was a joke cracked and it was like someone pulled the life vest and just went, straight back up to the surface you know and um, that we were at that depth of 100 meters but what i find with the music and comedy is that we can actually curate that journey where it's this like we go deep but we also can bring people out of it slowly as well exactly. and i think that's a big part of it as well it's yep. kind of like same with any journey if there's not a proper integration at the end then it kind of feels a bit jarring whereas if we can find a way to bring people there but also like um correct like yeah to kind of gently bring them out of it as well they can walk away from that experience feeling mm. like really complete yeah. and that was our goal with the musical to like bring people to these fucking edgy places but they walk away integrated yeah and from my experience as well combining comedy and offering as well a bit of that lightness yeah it uh makes it, it's as if it makes it a bit more accessible for some people who may not be as willing to embark on a journey like that yeah and having as well you know done your embodied creator workshop and yeah. i know as well you have a retreat coming up um, I, I've really seen the value of, um, you know, exploring maybe as well these darker aspects of me and these shadow aspects, but then bring it through with humor, bring it through with fun, 
Yeah. Right. I would love to hear a bit more, like if you want to just maybe share before we come to a close, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of that journey since the musical and as well the workshops that you guys have been creating, um, just to support other people as well into really claiming their voice, claiming the creator in them. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the, the first um, sparks of that workshop was in one of our sessions, actually, where, mm. you know, I'd been exploring parts within myself. But, you know, when we did a bit of exploration around like playing these roles and these characters, I remember you know, <laughs> stepping into the to the to the asshole, yes. you know, <laughs> and like really playing, you know, what does it feel to, to play? And that was even, you know, one could say in a safe environment, just the two sure. of us doing that. Sure. And it was still probably edgy, you know, it what was mean? for sure. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I so, that. you know, just for context, <laughs> I, I got Alex to like really step into this like dickhead character, you know, yeah. which was like edgy for you at the time, you know, and we can say often like with any of these patterns you may have developed, like for instance, the nice guy or the pleaser, um, often it's in an avoidance of something that's on the other end of the spectrum. Exactly. But until we feel what the yeah. other end of the spectrum feels like, it's very difficult to know where truly we lie. So what the purpose is with that is taking personal development, which, which can be heavy and also sometimes a bit heady and boring, mm -hmm. and bringing, as you said, that lightness and humor, and um, the fun, the play. And it's almost like in the laughter and the play, it, it lightens the load of actually the depth of the work that's been done. You know, it almost feels like cheating in a way because it's almost like people, some people have a, this belief that, you know, we need to be in process 24 seven and just like writhing on the ground. Oh, I'm in so much shame right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you can be in shame and also fucking laugh about it. And it's the laughter. That's the, um, the life jacket taking you back up to the surface whenever you need it. You know, that's your escape rope mm. to get out of those pits of shame. So, um, you know, it's hard to, to truly laugh, like belly laugh and be in shame at the same time. So that's the integration, it's the pendulation between, oh my God, I'm a piece of shit, no one likes me, to like, ha ha ha, life is funny and light. Um, and that's really been the intention with the Embodied Creator. So it's taking the seeds of what we did in the musical, which is showing people the shadows and then getting them to step into those characters and create, um, yeah, basically create characters that allow them to play and step into the parts themselves that they've been repressing or avoiding or believe that weren't safe. And so that could be singing on stage for the first time in, um, for the first time in front of people. It could be being seen as the dickhead asshole guy or the self-centered influencer or whatever people we might judge or label outside of us in playing those characters we start to realize that you know parts of us also and then we have more empathy for them and ultimately then we can you know instead of it being an us or them or like thinking that person's bad or wrong and then also judging and shaming the parts of us that are in some way similar to them you know by by association we can actually come back to a place of like full acceptance of others doesn't mean you have to go hang out with them but like at least you can say oh i see why you're doing that it makes sense exactly. you know and that's you come back to this idea of embodiment yeah. if we can be embodied in ourselves and then we can like feel into the experience of what might it be like to be someone else wow i see how you're behaving what must you have had to go through mm. to end up in that place mm. we see that with breathwork as well when we read someone's breath pattern that on the surface might look like wow, super successful and confident. And then we see the breath pattern, we're like, oh shit, they're propping and avoiding and exactly. repressing and oh wow. And then we start to see like, actually the story that's been presented on the surface is not necessarily under yeah. the hood. And ultimately at the end comes with that, a greater mm -hmm. sense of compassion for others. So Embodied Creator <clears throat> is, um, that's the intention with that and with the musical. Um, with the musical itself, I think by the time maybe 
this this goes out it will be online we're going to yeah. launch it in three weeks so mm. um you can go to consciousmusical.com for that one exciting and watch it um and yeah off the back of that we've got a retreat at the end of june here in bali we're going to be doing some online stuff as well eventually um and yeah we've got a, a couple of shows in germany um we're playing uh, this big event in dusseldorf actually with like a thousand people with love life passport who are wow well, um yeah we know that yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah, amazing. so we've written the songs. So this is another thing we're doing. We're writing brand songs. Mm. So again, similar to the musical, taking, um, you know, the essence of you know a brand or like a theme or an emotion, and like weaving in all the different, let's say, brand values and like the journey, effectively the hero's journey that that person would go on, yeah. um, and writing a song around it. So it's mm. it's a, a unifying kind of flag that you know uh, the the tribe and followers of a of a brand or a community can get around. And mm. um, so we're basically going to, yeah, to launch that music video and the song at this event, and mm. um, which is just another chapter in the, the tapestry of like yeah. um, the musical and all things around, you know, yeah, comedy, personal development and using, yeah, new fun and creative mm. uh, tools to help others transform. Exciting things coming up ahead. Yes. Um, I would want to offer us to slowly wind down. Yeah, and let's do it. I'm curious to hear there's anything else that you want to bring our audience um an awareness to about what's coming up and what you're up to mm. um so anything else there for you yeah um i mentioned we got the musical the my creator um you know i'm here in bali a lot of the time i'm going to be in europe for um, the european summer this year so i'll be you know doing some in-person breathwork stuff we've got some workshops and retreats in germany also in the greek islands where i'm based a lot of the time and um, i'm usually in bali um, I do online work with people as well, one-on-one style. Um, would recommend the in-person breathwork container experience for the the full package. <laughs> um, but I really do enjoy dropping dropping in with people, and I feel a lot of the work that you know, as you know, we've done in that breathwork training here really stems into like a deeper level of you know being able to hold space and guide people even in the online realm. So I really do still enjoy that work. Um, I'm releasing um, a, a number of my own songs over the next few months. Um, that's kind of been the, the final piece of the puzzle, really stepping into the artist. And maybe we'll save that for another podcast. But uh, yeah, this idea of like finally getting to an even deeper layer of that concentric circle of like having the resources and the belief in myself enough to like record and put out music with no real um, sense of like guaranteed return like with the show or with you know these other workshops and stuff it's like oh yeah I'm gonna get paid and people love it and it's like it's easy and whereas when it's my music and it's the stuff I want to sing about it's like is anyone gonna fucking like it does yeah. anyone even care it's gonna cost a couple of thousand just to do a song and then put it out and then like what you know so there's a real deep trustful with that that's yeah. occurring at the moment and so I'm excited to release those yeah. songs you can find them at you know Pete Byrne on Spotify incredible um, yeah we'll have to save that for part two I definitely want to hear a bit more about that where can our listeners find you or contact you? Yeah, so, you know, obviously Instagram, first protocol, at it's Pete Byrne. Okay. Um, you can get me, as I said, on Spotify, the Alive and Line podcast, new, new episodes every Tuesday. So mm. I kind of like to do interview and solo style. Um, a lot of the same concepts and analogies that I kind of have been dropping into today. Um, and also, yeah, my artist profile, Pete Byrne, as well, on Spotify and um, you can also go to um, awakenedutainment.com is our um, site for Embodied Creator and the musical, also Conscious Musical. So there's a few different trailheads depending what tickles your fancy. Amazing. We'll link all that up on the show notes. And I want to close with um, one question. 
place. And as you know, this podcast is called Heart of Men. Mm -hmm. And the vision that I have in mind with this is to really support men and the the women of you know men and the ones that really want to as well understand men um, is to bring them to an experience of connecting to their core and learning how to live, lead, um, and serve from the core. And I'm curious if you could share one message, pass it forward to one of the listeners mm -hmm. um, in one minute <clears throat> or less of one thing they may be able to do today that could bring them there one step closer. What would to that be? their core? Yes, exactly. Mm. I think we kind of spoke to it during the, the show, but to really nail it home, it would be, <clears throat> it would be, it would be um, the recognition that like anything that you're seeking on the outside, it has to start within, it has to be an inside job. So you have to be the one to accept those parts of you that you haven't yet welcomed and accepted before anyone else truly will. Um, you might get lucky and get away with it that you're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit, I can't accept myself in this. And others might say, actually, you're fine. But until you actually really lands for you on a personal level, um, you're not even going to really hear other people's feedback. But once you can accept those parts of you um, and, and welcome them, begin to welcome them, that's when your environment will begin to, like your lens will change and you'll actually start to receive the abundance of opportunity and love and possibility that exists already around you and outside of you that um yeah these little few parts that haven't yet been welcomed into the tribe mm. are still waiting to be uh to, met, to be met with so yeah that would be my my piece it all starts within it's an inside yeah. job accepting who we are at our core yes. i love hearing that well thank you for coming on the heart of man podcast pete i really appreciate you thank you for being an ongoing inspiration thank you for being a dear friend on this journey mm. and uh, until next time much mm. love Thank you for having me, man. And once again, just reflecting uh, this epic milestone for you and how much of a, a moment this is. And I have no doubt that over the next months and years, it's going to continue to blossom and grow um, in true bamboo fashion. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. All right, to all the listeners, I appreciate you guys. And until next time, much love. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your time and attention is truly appreciated. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. And in case you know somebody who would find this episode helpful, I encourage you to pay it forward. Finally, if you've personally been receiving value from the show, one way you're able to support this podcast is by leaving a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Not only does this help more people find the show, but it also supports me in bringing more incredible guests on for the future. I'm your host. Alex Lehman, and until next time, signing off.